I'm Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, happy Wednesday. Oh, I shouldn't say that. No, it's fine. They can know that we record on Wednesday. Hi, happy Book Talk Day. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. Uh, welcome to Book Talk. Um, if you're joining us for the first time with Memorial, we're so happy that you're here and we are obsessed with this book. At least I'm obsessed with this book so far, so I hope that you're loving it. This week, we read the second part of Memorial, the second 75 pages that we're going to be talking about in this episode. Katie, do you want to give us a quick overview of what happened in this section? Yes. Throughout this whole section, we get um, some insight into the different relationships, Mike and Benson, and then all the family relationships as well. Um, Benson hooks up with Omar, and we find out Aja has died right after that, and Mike is coming home the next day. Uh, we then switch narrators to Mike's voice. We meet his dad, kind of learn about his temporary life in Japan, working at the bar, and we get a couple of flashbacks into his childhood, um, and it ends with his dad wanting to kind of fix those bonds and leave him the bar. How are you liking it so far in this second section? I loved week two. I thought that kind of like we're getting to the end of Mike's time alone or Benson's time alone because we know Mike is coming back. And that last like chapter where he hooks up with Omar and then comes into his apartment to find Mitsuko, like basically hysterical, um, and to find out that Mike is coming back and he wants to be picked up from the airport. It was just like, oh my gosh. And then we immediately flip to, you know, basically the beginning of the book again, but now from Mike's perspective. I think something Brian Washington does really well is embody the voices of his characters. In a couple of other books I'm reading, it's really from the narrator's point of view. So you know who whose perspective it comes from, but you don't really get to hear their own like stream of consciousness or how we all hear our voices in our heads. I feel like Brian does a really good job of bringing those characters to life. I think I could probably read a paragraph that was Benson or Mike and tell you who was thinking it or who was writing it because he's created such distinct profiles for each of them. I loved, like you were saying, um, getting to know Mike and like learning how he thinks about the world. Um, at one point, he's having a conversation with Kunihiko, who works at his dad's bar. And Kunihiko says, basically, like, I, I don't know where I would be if, you know, Aiju didn't help me out. Um, and Mike says, you'd be doing the same shit that everyone does, something else. And I think both Michael and Iju almost have this perspective that, like, if it wasn't one thing, it'd be another thing. Like, there's no fate that's kind of organizing these decisions. There's no rhyme or reason. We're kind of just making choices and living with them. Um, what do you think about that perspective? I think it makes a lot of sense. And I also think that we see a lot of this with Benson's family, too. And I think you see more of this when people are going through or have lived a life that has heart, like a lot of hardship in it, which I think both of their dads have. You're just like, okay, I mean, I could fight really hard to get out of this, but if I do, it'll just be something else. It's like you've been knocked down so many times. You're like, what really is getting back up again doing for me here? I don't know. Like, if, if you didn't do this, you'd figure it out. Like, we'd all figure it out, which I think is a can be a healthy perspective to have. Yeah, it's like 
it's I think it's both freeing and also like immobilizing it's like you know there's another there's another universe where you made a different decision and you know all you can do is basically make one decision right now and that's the version of your life that you'll live I think that's like kind of comforting but then at the same time can be maddening you know I think another quote from this section around these same lines is basically like you don't know if it's going to work out until it doesn't like you don't know how it's going to go until it goes bad and everybody starts off with good intentions and you can only basically find out how this relationship is going to go by having it um and that's that's also like really scary I do think that both of those things need to be noted that those are, I think, things for people who have privilege, though. Like, I think you don't know until you try is somebody who has, like, the privilege to try or the space to try. And I think the same thing goes with, like, the fact that it's freeing to be, like, if you make this one decision, your life could completely change because so many times you don't have the ability to make a decision that could truly change your life if you don't have the privilege to do that, if that makes sense. Along those lines, we learn in this section that Mike is HIV positive. Um, and we also kind of have a couple more intimate um, male-on-male moments. Oh. And <laughs> The way that that was just stated, I loved it. <laughs> ah, um, and, you know, I have noticed when writers come from the perspective of having experienced something um I find that they're they're able to write about it in a way that's not exploitative um you know like reading books that involve you know specific types of sex or books that involve violence like I think there's a way that people outside of it write about it which is in in a in a way to get Uh, rise out of the audience or to construct a fiction around it and what Brian is doing is writing about what it actually probably is like to be someone who's HIV positive not saying that Brian knows what that is but he maybe knows people who have experienced that have had to have the conversation of like no I have to use a condom you don't understand like um and and then you know when he's sharing the story with Benson of you know I don't even know where I got it and I can't couldn't even tell oh yeah when Benson is sharing with Mike like I don't even know how I got it and I you know couldn't even tell the person who gave it to me that that's where I got it from it's like it's not overly dramatized I feel like I'm really peering into something I've never experienced myself and that's when I love books when they do that really well it's not a performance I'm not watching like a play I feel like I'm sitting there with the two of them having this really intimate conversation then they just laid there and held each other and you're like that's yeah that's that feels like authentic to me speaking of that though how you were talking about um when Benson and Mike have that intimate moment when Benson tells him that he's positive um I think that was like a very sweet moment for them. And it wasn't over dramatized, but you got to see a little bit more into how the relationship was at the beginning. And I feel like we're kind of missing this middle that I hope we get from Mike's side of the story here. Like, how did we get from this sweet moment where he's like, don't be sorry. Like this is something you should share. And, you know, very caring about Benson to leaving him with his mom and the kind of abrasive state of their relationship currently. Um, I do also think it's important to note it's we're seeing a lot more representation 
in media, but specifically with people who are HIV positive, I think it's obviously something that's, that's common and it's being talked about all the time now in media in from things like this book to Jonathan Van Ness announcing it to just like in general awareness campaigns. Um, and I think that's really important that it's, that it's talked about that prep is specifically mentioned that we're talking about how to be safe, that this is something that Benson deals with clearly, but it is not who Benson is. And I think it's important to have that representation that again is not over dramatized, um, how most media about being HIV positive can be, but it is like something Benson is dealing with and something that's a part of his relationship and a part of him, but it does not define him. The last thing I wanted to kind of touch on was this idea that I thought was really powerful when Mitsuko is talking to Benson about the fact that stories are heirlooms, like these, these gifts or these passed down things that are handed to somebody when you trust them and you want them to know a certain part of you. Um, and then Benson tells us the story of him getting, well, he tells us the story of him coming out as positive to Mike um, and kind of what that meant for the relationship. But he also shares a story of when his dad got pulled over coming back from an award show um, that well, I want to know what your thoughts are about that story in general. And then I have another question. So after Benson tells Mike this story, which is that basically he gets pulled over, his dad is like cussing out the cop, basically calling him a pig. And then his mom is like, oh, he's just worried about losing his insurance and kind of like gives the cop like the reason that the cop wants to hear. And then like he lets him off with a warning. Um, And then Mike says, like, I get it. And to be honest, like, I don't think I get it. And I don't think that Mike gets it. Like, I don't know exactly what that experience is like. I mean, Benson tells us like him and his sister were like squeezing each other's hands so hard in the back seat. And, you know, it's one thing to be like, okay, I think I understand what the point of that story is, which I can kind of guess what the point of the story is, but I definitely don't get it. And this is kind of the second like racially insensitive thing that Mike has said like he said the n-word and that joke that he told Benson um and I think this is an undertone of unease in their relationship and it could be because Benson isn't expressing it necessarily to Mike or because Mike does think well I'm also poor I'm an immigrant and I get it but he doesn't get what it means to be black he doesn't get what it means to be black but he also maybe feels like he does get it because Unlike us, he does understand what it means to be a minority who was probably also discriminated against or potentially put in harm's way because of something that is not in his control, like being a minority or being black or being or not speaking the language or something. And and it is obviously still different. But I wonder if Mike I think he said something racially insensitive before, obviously. <laughs> but like, I wonder if in the situation he is like, I do get it. I know that feeling. But I don't know if Benson's telling him it for him to commiserate or if Benson's trying to be like, this is a part of me you don't understand. And Mike's like, no, man, I got it. Which has been insensitive, if that makes sense. Yes, you can talk about racial discrimination and then you can talk about gender discrimination. And it's like, just because I understand gender discrimination does not mean that I understand racial discrimination. And and I can put myself in the shoes when I've experienced something like that 
about my gender, but that doesn't mean I understand your experience at all. It's like a starting point, but that's not even close. And I wonder if Benson was telling that story as a way to get somewhere and Mike saying like, I get it is like, okay, that's the end of the conversation. Right. But I I just, I don't know. Mike's thing about him makes me feel like he's, I don't know if immature is the right word, but like, I feel like you are a very like self-aware person who's dug into what it means to be to the different kinds of discrimination and how you can experience that and what that means in conversation. Like, I just don't feel like Mike has done that work. And so like, I, not that Benson needs to meet him where he's at, but this is a point when communication would be good for him to be like, yeah, I know that you know kind of what this means, but I need you to understand that this isn't the same thing as being discriminated against because you're an immigrant because you would never be worried about what a cop would do if you got pulled over. So it is different for me. And I need you to like get that. That's how I have to like walk through the world. But I like, again, I think we're just like on parallel paths here. I feel like Mike is like, look at me being a supportive boyfriend. And Benson's like, look at my boyfriend, never listening to me. <laughs> like, We'll see how that goes. And maybe that will be kind of a string to the relationship or maybe they'll resolve that. Yeah. I, I, I think we're, we're getting set up to, unpack a lot more about their relationship especially now that Mike has the opportunity to move back and take over his dad's bar in Japan so they're definitely gonna be grappling with that decision now that we're in the business of predicting things like whether or not Benson and Amar will hook up and who killed who and two girls down do you think Mike will go back yes permanently yes do you think Benson will go with him no you think this is it for them I think this is it. Well, I feel like, you know, statistically, I should take the opposite position. So we'll see what happens. Okay, what's your prediction? I feel like they're going to break up at both Stay in Houston. Oh, wow. Okay. (gasps) Let's see. Two more weeks and then we'll know. So speaking of, next week, we're reading the next 75 pages. So this is going to be like the second half of Mike's section. It's pages 157. Sorry about that awkward cut in the middle of a chapter or in the middle of a page. I had to do it. There was no other way to like divvy up this section, but we're going to read 157 to 227 for next week. And then we'll talk about it next Sunday. Okay, should we talk talk? Let's talk talk. We did a five course dinner for Jen's birthday this weekend. Aww. It was she gave Jason a list of all of her favorite things, and um, it included things like the list was really like BLTs, chips, anything salty, boneless wings, pepperoni pizza, <laughs> dark chocolate sea salt caramel, coffee. Like it was absurd, and he incorporated every single thing. It was wild. Stop. I'm not kidding. Wow, that's amazing. It was wild. And it was actually like really good. I will have to like put maybe I'll put some pictures on Instagram, but it was insanely good. And then we looked at the list. I was like, this is crazy. I mean, I did like a cocktail and we did a um did we do cocktail and dessert, which incorporated some of those weirder things, but it was wild. Anyways. Oh, that's so sweet. What a great like birthday present. Yeah, and the theme was um so in also all the favorite things, we wore Christmas pajamas and listened to only John Mayer during dinner. (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering why you posted a picture of, of Jason in a onesie, and I was like, um, excuse me? 
Because Jason... That just doesn't uh, seem like Jason's vibe. But I can see him going along with it. Yeah, well, it wasn't his vibe. And he was like, I'm not doing it. I refuse to wear pajamas. I hate this idea. And then the day of at 3 p.m., he was like, hey, I know you're at the thrift store. Can you get me some pajamas? And I was like, yeah, but it's... Sure. And the options were, like, quite limited. It was, like, a Schitt's Creek dad-style nightgown or, like, a t-shirt and plaid pants. And I was like, no. And then I found a tuxedo onesie in his size. And I was like, done. Perfect. Purchased. (laughs) That's so cute. Which he wore all night. (laughs) Okay. So tell me about why I don't. Because I was going to post a book stack today. Like, I got my book of the month club. And I was going to be like, do you guys do any subscriptions or anything? All right. I have two updates. My first update is I fucking hated Lolita. I cannot believe that that disgusting book was ever made. It's like 300 pages of like talking about 12 year old girls. I hate and that. How I never want to read that. Creatures. And I hate that. Okay. Yeah, it was awful. Nope. So, I mean, it was I again, people talk about like, oh, it's it's well written and it, it is well written. But that doesn't mean that anybody should ever read it. That's okay. my point of view. Never doing it. <laughs> OK, now. The other task that you put me on to, and I took this way too seriously, is to research book of the month. So I, let me tell you what I did. So I read a lot about like the company. I read a lot about the CEO and the COO. I went through all of their LinkedIn, all the people on LinkedIn. <laughs> oh my God, I love I having a soccer for a best friend. <laughs> I read all of their Glassdoor reviews. And then I also read all of the Glassdoor reviews for Bookspan, which is the company that bought Book of the Month. Let me tell you about the CEO. <laughs> his name is John Lipman. He went to Yale and then got his MBA at Harvard. And then he worked at the fucking Lehman Brothers. Uh, he's basically was, is a mergers and acquisitions uh, consultant. Which isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. Well, Lehman Brothers can go fuck themselves. because Yes, but I mean, somebody us, who works but... in mergers and acquisitions is not always bad because they right. work on negotiating those deals. Right, right, right. But from my perspective, like, this is not someone who comes from, like, the publishing world. This is not someone with, like, a background in books. This is someone who has a background in M&A, which makes me think that his end goal is not for book of the month to be like a standalone company or like something that's like long-term or something that's like, you know, something for the, for the authors, which is what they claim. But I think his goal is really to like get bought out by a bigger company. Like I think that's his end goal. (laughs) I feel like that's a lot of assumptions. I also like, okay, it could be, it could be that that's true because he is an M&A guy who works at Lehman Brothers, which is all not great. Weird. I'll say it's weird. I'm not positive. Okay. Now this is the other thing. Because right now I feel like you're a little, a little cynical. Yes, I am a little cynical. It doesn't help that I'm reading Gia Tolentino's Trick Mirror, which is basically like everybody is exploiting everybody in the United States to be successful, and it's really sad. She talks a lot about Amazon in that book, or one of the essays talks about Amazon. The other thing is they had, they definitely had like a very uncomfortable. Um, like response to the protests over the summer for um, racial justice. And they basically after being called out by a black podcaster in the book space, which, you know, we love a calling in. I think it was a calling in is basically like you guys need to look at the diversity that's in your book selections and also the diversity of your company, which I'm all for. Like, let's look at that data. Let's see what you guys are doing. 
they made a response basically after they deleted her comments, were blocking people who were making similar comments, were deleting other comments because it was like bad PR. Um, after they did that for a while, they put out a statement that was basically like, our company is about 25 to 35% um, people of color, which I will tell you from their LinkedIn page is, is a little suspect. <laughs> um, I could not, I did not find a single black person on LinkedIn who says that they work at Book of the Month. I found one Asian and one Indian woman who work for Book of the Month. The rest are white women and they're headquartered in New York City. It's, uh, it's not hard to find diverse workforce. That's not great. So I, my overall recommendation about Book of the Month, proceed with caution. It seems suspicious to me. Okay, can we um, steal something else from John Lovett's podcast and end it on a high note? <laughs> yeah, end it on a high note. Give me a high note. Oh, oh, I don't have one. I thought maybe you would. I don't have a high note. <laughs> Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney. With production support from Dan White, our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. So it's on Hulu. It's with uh, Kristen Stewart. And wait, is Dan Levy in it? Yeah, he's in it. Okay, I was gonna watch that. Oh my actually. god, David! <laughs> Ew, David! <laughs> Wow, that was freakishly good. I know. Uh, Jason's like, please stop practicing that. You're getting really good at it. Sorry for not responding to like one text, David.